Hey, hey, how you doing? Hello everyone. Hope, yep, we're good. I turned on the mic like midway that song and then all this crackling was coming through. So I was just like, bail, better go get a new one. So anyway, good to see you guys and welcome to all of you who are visiting for Tegan's baptism. That was such a special moment. I'm glad you guys can be here. Um, so we're, uh, we're in our series on identity. Uh, why I wanted to do this series is because we live in quite a, a culture that's obsessed with identity at the moment. It's, a, it's kind of the hot topic of the, of the time. But I wanted to kind of look at what the Bible would say about whether uh, we are meant to find our identity in anything in particular. How does identity even work in the first place? And were we, de- were we designed a certain way? So... And what we've seen, I've, I used a, a house example, if you want to go to that slide, Tim. Yeah, so I, in the first sermon, I kind of did like an overview uh, of kind of some of the core things that, we, that the Bible would show us that we're meant to find our identity in. And the first one, I use this example of when you're building a house, you've got that uh, kind of the cement uh, foundation. That's like the thing that goes up before anything else. And what we saw uh, from Genesis uh, 1 to 2 is that we were meant to first and foremost find our foundation, the core of who we are, our identity in God himself. And that's, so you've got God as this foundation and then what we saw was that out of that, God kind of made us with particular purposes, many different ones, but I've been picking on about three and I'm going to pick on one today. But he, we, see, we saw that we were, uh, as humanity, as humans, we were created for a relationship with God. We weren't meant to do this alone and we were created for a relationship with each other. So it's kind of this, we were in relationship with God and that flowed into how we do relationship with others. And that's what Chris uh, did an awesome job of uh, preaching on last time and how Jesus actually made a way for us to be able to have that vertical relationship and be able to to be a part of restoring the relationships around us as well. The second one that I brought up in the first sermon was image bearers that were actually uniquely made in the image of God. We're not we're set apart from the animals. We're different. We're we're different, and we're made in the image of God. We're in His likeness, and I haven't gone into that one uh, just yet. That's for another week to come. But tonight we're going to be talking about the third one, which was work and keep. So it's this idea of working and keeping. Um, so. We're going to read uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. should come up on the screen if you... Sorry, that's quite uh, small. Um, it's a very popular passage, so hopefully you'll, you'll know it. So I read this last time, but I wanted to just kind of give us a little refresher on this idea of work and keep. So this is... Uh, so God's in, in the kind of story before this or the, the, the passage bef- uh, before we get to ch- uh, verse 26, God, we see that the creation is kind of like 
It's void. It needs to be shaped. And God's done different things uh, on each day. And we're on the sixth day at the moment. And then at this point, he says, Let, uh, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, which is the image of God. And let them have dominion, that's key, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And then what you see in in chapter 2 of Genesis is kind of a... It's, a, it's not like a different creation story, but it reads a bit differently. It's kind of like almost a different way, like a different angle of looking at it, and they're trying to get across a, a little bit of a different message. And one of the things, we won't read the whole, um, whole chapter, but uh, in chapter 2, verse 15, he, some, the, the writer some, almost summarizes a lot of what we just read. And it said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And that's the theme of tonight. So, you kind of get this this idea from like he's talking about the fish of the sea, the bird of the air and all these different things that he's, uh, he's giving people, he's giving humanity dominion. He's giving them authority to, to look after them, to, to almost bring order from chaos. And, um, hang on a in a sense, yeah, yeah, we're bringing order from chaos. We, we take control and we sort it, we kind of sort it out and we make it work and, and function. Um, so recently, I, I'm not really a gardener, um, but I, I, in, the, in all the lockdowns that we were having, I, I started actually growing grass. My backyard was chaos. You could put it that way. There was just, there was weeds everywhere. It was, there was no grass, it was just weeds. I inherited this when I, ran in, when I started renting out here in Wynnum. Um, so you kind of got to bring order out of it. You've got to take some of the weeds out. You've got to plant the new grass. You've got to keep watering it. You've got to be intentional with these things. You're bringing order out of chaos. And in a sense, um, and this is a funny analogy, but the world is our backyard. You know what I mean? We actually are called to work and keep it. We're, we're called to bring order from chaos. And this is very similar to what we actually see uh, God do in those uh, first six days of creation, is that we see that it's kind of null and void. It says God created the heavens and the earth. And then each day we see him kind of shape it a bit. He brings order to it. 
And as image bearers, we're actually called to do something similar. Made in the image of God, we're actually given dominion, we're given uh, authority to work and keep it, to kind of bring order from chaos in the earth. Um, And that is part of what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to cover a fair bit. I, I think you could actually do like a full series in this. It's almost like a theology of, of work in some ways. Um, but yes, I think working and keeping the earth in whatever form we'll see that we do that is essential to who we are. And that's where you get um, in, the, in the house example of you get the wood structures that come up. Um, that's working and keeping, that's relationships uh, with God and others, that's being an image bearer of Christ. They're the essential things that go up on the foundation which is God. Hopefully that makes sense. So everyone's called to do these things. And that brings me to my first point. We're actually all called to work and keep. What you'll see in this, in this passage that I read is that this isn't just something that Adam alone was called to do. Uh, but rather humanity in general was called to, uh, uh, to, do, to work and keep both male and female. If you go back to the, the verse that I was reading, it says that uh, in Genesis, it says the word man uh, in the text of God created man in his own image is an umbrella term for humanity. It doesn't specifically mean man. Um, Even Adam just means humanity in in Hebrew. Which is hence why Genesis shortly after says, in the image of God he created male and female, just after saying humanity. Um, Male, man, sorry. Man, male and female are both called to work and keep. It's not just a male thing. In Genesis 1, God tasks Adam with working and keeping the earth, but then you see that he can't, do this alone. He can't do this alone. He's made for a relationship and he makes Eve to partner up with him. There are this kind of relational team that works together to work and keep this earth in various different ways, to have dominion over it, to bring order from chaos. And when you read Genesis, you'll see Working and keeping isn't just limited, and this is part of what I'm going to talk about today because it's, it's a big thing in our culture, but it's not limited to a nine-to-five job. It's not. Working and keeping is not limited to a nine-to-five job or having a career. And we live, we live in a world, let's be honest, that's quite focused on your career. It's, it's very focused on having a career, having that that job, you've got to find that thing that you've got to do. Where if you kind of don't have that dream job, then you're kind of of no significance. This is how it's the least played out. You have like almost no significance in life. You've been a failure. And like socially, you're, you're kind of not that cool and that kind of thing until you get this ideal job. That is the kind of goal. And therefore, everything, almost everything else is excluded in being part of working and keeping. So often we hear this, I know I heard it for a while, and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I need to go get a job, like I need to go work, do you know what I mean? But it's much broader than that. For instance, it's almost as if being a parent, I want, I'll pick on that for a moment, I'm not a parent, I look after a lot of kids all the time as a youth pastor, um, but 
Uh, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, in, so it's almost as if being a parent is some kind of second-rate thing. It's not as good as working, where it's, it's kind of not really working and keeping. Sometimes, I don't know if anyone would ever say this out aloud, but sometimes I've gotten that idea when you talk to people. It's kind of like, no, nah, that's, that's not really quite as important. But in reality, it most certainly is important. I don't know about you guys, but again, I don't, I don't have children, but they are chaotic. They are chaotic. I had, a, uh, I, have an over, I had an overnighter on Friday night for youth group. And like, if you don't think that being a parent or looking after kids isn't bringing order from chaos, then I don't know what is. They're chaotic. They, they just, they're, they're full of energy. They're just like, I need to push the boundaries. When they're young, they're yelling, they're crying, they get grumpy really quick, they get hyperactive and you're just like, goodness me, where did all the energy come from? They jump off things that they shouldn't. They stay up all night when they shouldn't have. Um, but they push boundaries. They push boundaries. And, uh, yeah, they're chaotic. They're chaotic. So being a parent is literally, I couldn't think of anything more of bringing order from chaos. <laughs> it's not, it's a, it's a bit of a crass way of putting it, but it's, if you think about it, you're bringing order. It's working and keeping. It's trying to achieve the flourishing of your children, of those children um, as human beings so they can actually be good members of society so they can relate well with others, so they can do all these different things, so they can be people that share uh, the word of God with others. And that is easily as important as having a nine-to-five job in my mind. So working and keeping, I'm just picking on one example there. This is why you need a full series. You could just go into a whole different thing, uh, lots of things. But I thought that would be kind of a good example to go to. But this is, society kind of puts that as a second-rate thing, but I do not think it is. It is part of working and keeping this earth. Because the Bible, it doesn't really, doesn't really have a hierarchy on these things. That's what I can see. The Bible doesn't put kind of... Uh, that a job's going to be more important than kind of to looking after the children or anything like that. In fact, it actually puts an incredible amount of time and effort into how you should look after your children, how you should be good parents, how you should um, uh, raise them so they can be flourishing human beings to the best of your ability. They put a lot of emphasis on that because it's important. That's why we see, uh, on a side note, that... um, we see the breakdown of, uh, uh, of families in the past, I don't know, what goes 70 to 100 years, is, it's been detrimental to society. That's why kids need their parents. Absent parents or people, kids that aren't um, brought up with uh, any parents or one parent and they did, yeah, like it, it creates this chaos where that, that is an important thing of, of being uh, someone who's working and keeping, to bring order from chaos, to help the flourishing of humanity. But we live in a society that puts a lot of emphasis on having a job. But I kind of wanted to broaden that out a little bit. But because we live in a society that, that is kind of just like, it almost idolizes, and I'm going to make this case, it almost idolizes and puts um, a career or a job as one of those foundational elements rather than God. I do want to talk about 
the job side of things. So working in the sense of having a job is still important. It's not like I've switched them around and now having a job isn't significant. It is. But one of the main things I want to show here is that working in the sense of a job is not everything. It can't be the core of who we are. It can't be the core of our identity. Like I said, there's such a heavy weight on people to have a successful job and work out exactly what they're going to do with their lives. As if working this out and having that dream job is so foundational and core, that foundational and core to their identity, to who they are. But the thing is, is that it's not actually designed, going back to my first bit, it's not designed to be the core of who you are. It's not. It's not meant to be the foundation. Remember that God alone is meant to be that foundation. And you see it when people, they, they have a job and then uh, they find it and then it breaks down and they're, they're like, obviously, that for, no, for everyone that's going to be a hard time, but if you've got your whole identity tied up in a job and it just breaks down, it'll wreck you. It'll absolutely wreck you. God's meant to be the core of our identity. And out of that, we work um, in these different ways. And kind of what, what I see that adds to this kind of idolization of having a career and a job, not that I'm saying these are bad, by the way, but it's kind of pushing them too far. But what adds to this is it's kind of a huge focus on what, are you, what job are you going to get or have? Is that we live almost in a time like no other where job opportunities and, uh, and options are just so, there's so many. Um, I, I was reading a book by John Mark Comer, lo and behold, and, we, and he was saying that we actually live in a time, not this isn't verbatim, but he said we live in a time aware of so many options and so many different things that we can study for and so many different modern technologies to help us do different things. And a vast and he was saying that not all that long ago, most people worked in farming. Like before we all kind of congregated around a city centre, most people just worked in farming. It was all those kinds of trade type jobs where kind of the stereotypical man is doing the farming, the woman's looking after the children and the house and the kids and all that kind of stuff. And, and most people kind of didn't really have an option of what they would do. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people wouldn't. You, you most of the time kind of just did what your parents did. You just kept going on with what they did. If your parents were farmers, then you'd very likely be a farmer. If they were a blacksmith, you did that too and, and so on. No matter what it was, often there wasn't this kind of huge variety of opportunity that we have, which is, I'm going to argue it's great, but it can be crippling at the same time. And it used to be that you, you worked your butt off just to get by. As you'll hear some people, I heard it growing up um, from my own dad and he would say, as long as you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back and food in your tummy, then that's what matters. And he's not wrong. And that's mainly because working really hard for most people for a very, very long time was basically when they worked really, really hard, that was basically what they got. They got the necessities. They didn't have such wealth and opportunity like we do and so many options. 
But now we're, we're super well off. We live in a very different society at the moment to that. Comparatively, we have so much wealth and so many uh, opportunities and options. It's kind of assumed now. It's not even on anybody's radar. It's just assumed now that you can just kind of achieve whatever you want. No, not long ago, that wasn't the case. But why I bring that up, um, if I can sum this up, is that having so much option, so much opportunity combined with a society that puts a lot of identity on your career and your job, it therefore puts a lot of pressure on people to find the thing in their life that they're meant to do. It puts a lot of pressure on it. I hear it from... um, I'm going to explain this just as a pre-warning, but I hear it a lot, like one of the biggest questions I hear from, uh, get asked to year 11 and 12s is, what are you going to do after school? What are you going to do after school? What are you going to study? What job are you going to go for? But here's the thing, the Bible doesn't put this kind of pressure on us. It's probably more to do with society that this pressure comes from. And I'm, I'm not kind of saying, therefore, uh, that what you do isn't actually important and that you shouldn't think about it. Definitely not. I think we should. Don't go to the other extremes where you're just like, okay, I can just do it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything. But I'm rather saying, what I'm rather saying is that we need to kind of find a middle ground where it's important but it's not everything to us. Does that make sense? So there's no problem asking someone, hey, what are you doing with your life? What do you want to do? But it can't be the core of their identity type thing. We need to find a middle ground. It's not the thing that defines a person, the job that they do. It's not the marker of who they are. Well, it shouldn't be. Because we're called to work and keep. It is important. Don't hear me saying otherwise. We're all called to do it in some way, shape or form. And we're not meant, but we're just not meant to make it the thing, the foundation. Only God is meant to be taking that. So the question is then, if I'm saying, yeah, we need to kind of find a balance in that pendulum between kind of just not caring and then caring too much. um, But how do you, how do you find that balance? How do you find that balance? So, and how do, you, how do we become people that work and keep the earth in its very diff- various different ways but don't make it the core of who we are? How do we do that? How do we do that? And I found this, this verse and it, it's been so comforting for me over the years. And it's in, I don't put it, have it on the screen, it's a very common verse, but it's in 1 Corinthians verse 10, uh, sorry, chapter 10 verse 31. It says, So whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I'll read it again. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Often in this confusing world of options and opportunities, people ask, what's the will of God for my life? It's a common question. It's not a bad question. But we often ask this. We're like, what is the will of God for my life? What specifically am I meant to do? What job am I meant to get or study for? These are common questions. I hear them all the time. And there's kind of two parts that I want to answer this with. One of them being that the will of God for your life 
is for you to do whatever you do to the glory of God. Sounds really simple, but it is quite simple. We're meant to just, the will of God baseline is to do everything that we do to the will, I mean to the glory of God. We have it there. That's the will of God for every one of your life, every, all of our lives. That's what we're meant to do. So whether or not you've found some real specific thing that you're good at and you feel called to, you can still do whatever you're doing at that moment to the glory of God. Whether you've found it or not, you can do it. And hear me when I say that this is just as much the will of God as the person who has found it. You're not some second-rate person because you haven't found your niche in life. Do you know what I mean? You can still do. You can still be a checkout chick or a checkout person um, <laughs> to the glory of God. You can, because whether you've found something really specific to do or whether you haven't, you can still do it to the glory of God. You can still do it to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, whether you're a bin man or a CEO, whether you're a parent or a single person, whether you're a checkout person, as I said before, or the manager of that shop, you can work and keep this earth. You can do everything to the glory of God. And what this verse shows us is what I said before. The Bible doesn't actually kind of have as big of a push or as big of an emphasis of finding kind of the calling on your life. Does that make sense? I'm not saying there isn't one. It just doesn't say find your calling and then you're sweet like our society does. It actually just says as you go about your life, as you do it in every aspect, you actually can do that to the glory of God. You can be a part, you can be a person that works and keeps, that uh, brings order from chaos, that helps humanity flourish, no matter what you're doing. And I thought to myself, when I kind of started to realise this, it took me a few times, it was actually from another sermon that I, I listened to years ago and I listened to it a few times, but it, once I kind of clicked, it was so freeing. It was so freeing. It, let, it takes the pressure of us, off us and keeps kind of what is important, which is God first and foremost. It keeps that important. We don't need to put so much pressure on ourselves to work out exactly what we need to do in this life or what we're good at in order to be doing the will of God. We can all do the work of working and keeping this earth. However, the flip side of that, flip side of this, is that does this mean that we kind of don't strive to find something that we're really good at? or to try and seek a calling or something really specific from God, is that what we should do then? No. Absolutely not. We should use the opportunities afforded to us. That's the flip side of this. It can be really confusing with all these opportunities, but at the same time we have lots of opportunities in front of us. We don't have to do the same job over and over. We should be looking for our little niche in life. We should be able to do that. We should be asking God, you're kind of like, okay, would you like me to do this or would you like me to do this? But my point is that no matter kind of where you end up going, you can still do it to the glory of God. You can still do it to the glory of God. 
And sometimes it's really clear for people, just as a side note, it's really clear for people as to what they're actually good at. Have you ever met someone like that where you're just like, how are you so gifted at everything? You're just like, come on, like how? Like it's just not natural. Or you're just like, man, that person is like, I look at Jesse, for instance, I'm just like, bro, he's an awesome drummer. I can look at all these different people and I can be like, yes, he's skilled. That person is skilled in that way. You can see different giftings on people's lives, but sometimes it's not quite as easy to kind of uh, work out. Some people, it's a little bit, isn't quite as obvious. But the worst thing we can do in that case, the worst thing we can do when we're not really sure is do nothing. The worst thing we can do is just kind of sit back and and hope something happens and that you'll you'll work out what's going to happen just by sitting at home doing nothing. We shouldn't treat working and keeping in this kind of passive way where you go, God, show me what I'm good at and what I'm meant to do, and then proceed to do nothing with your time. Does that make sense? You're actually active in this, and that's part of it. you actually got to go try things. This is what I've learned. If you see it, often people, when you like talk to them, they're like in their job, you're like, how did you go about finding that you were good at this? Or like, how do you, like, you must enjoy this. And I don't really meet many, too, many people that knew exactly that was what they were going to do beforehand. They kind of found out in time, they tried something and they were like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I'm actually quite gifted at this. I could actually really go about doing this. And what I'm trying to get at is that if we don't know, then we should just try some things. We should be prayerful about it, of course. We should still be looking out for what maybe God might be kind of calling us to do uh, uh, and different things. There's certainly that aspect of it, but you can't just sit back and hope it's going to happen. We've got to try things. Um, and obviously there's better things to try than others, just just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> there's bad things that you can do with your time that are counter work and keeping. Um, yes, anyway. So in summary, there's there's a balance here. I don't have much more to go. There's a balance here. We need to be actively looking and trying things within the opportunities we have, not just expecting something to happen. But the point is that the will of God for you is to do everything to his glory, if you know what that is or not. No matter what you're doing, you're doing it to work and keep this earth. You're here to bring um, order from chaos, to bring flourishing to yourself, to those around you. And that's the will of God. And it may seem really obvious in some situations on how do we do that. Others it won't. But that's what we're called to do. I hope that makes sense. But I wanted to just bring one final point or a couple of one and a half points. They're not very long. Is that there are better things, and I just alluded to this, there's better things that you can do to work and keep this earth. Um, I think the obvious example is um, that many people do, like they work and keep this earth. They they may think they're doing that, but a, uh, a good example... Somebody who's just amounting wealth but keeping it all to themselves or they got up the, up the corporate ladder at the cost of everybody else. It's all selfish, inwardly focused. Does that make sense? That's not working and keeping. That's adding to chaos. Um, the other thing is that if we don't actually look after the earth very well, 
or we, we use and abuse this earth to our own selfish gain um, and at the cost of other people's lives, at the, other, at the cost of their, their uh, livelihood, that's not working in keeping. There's certain things that are good and the only way that we're ever going to find them, or not ever, but one good way we can find out what is meant to be working and keeping, what is something good I can do, is actually by knowing our word. It's by knowing the Bible. Because God created, if God created this earth in a certain way and he ordered it in a certain way and we were meant to be in relationship with him and that was meant to outflow into how we do life, then we need to look to him. We need to look to him as to what will uh, make this earth flourish, to know what working and keeping is. And and sometimes, I'm not going to lie, it takes a great deal of discernment. It takes a lot of discernment. It takes knowing the word of God and seeking him, seeking his direction. It takes intentionality. And finally, I know I've said a lot tonight, um, I hope it's kind of help, been helpful for, for some of you. But I wanted to just touch on that working and keeping isn't just for someone like myself who's a pastor. Um, it's not like doing overtly Christian work necessarily. It's not like I'm higher up on the, on the ladder of doing good Christian work or working and keeping or someone in ministry, someone in charity. It's actually just what we can do as it says. In everything that we do, do it to the glory of God. You could be a bag maker if you want, but you could be the best dang bag maker out there. Do you know what I mean? And you're just you're putting your whole effort into it. How you go about running a business. Um, you could do it ethically. You can do it in a generous way. You can show God in how you do your working and keeping. You can show God in how you're a parent. And you can do all these different things. It's not just for the people in the church. And I just wanted to encourage everybody with that. You have significance in whatever that you're doing. You can work and keep. You can bring order. You can bring flourishing to those around you in whatever you do. I encourage you to seek what to do, obviously, but just try something if you don't know. But we're all called to work and keep. And I just wanted to finish with this, is that to sum up is that we, our identity, if I could get one point, to us is that who we are fundamentally was not meant to be found in what we do in in a job or it's it is it's not the foundation go back to our our our, uh, our house illustration it's not the foundation of who we are it's not the core of who we are in what we do for a job it's actually god and it's out of that kind of well out of that out of that foundation that we build and we work and keep. And that is foundational to who we are in many ways. But it's not who we are. So, and whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it to the glory of God. Let's help be, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to him in how we can be a people that helps the flourishing of humanity. So I'm going to pray and uh, I'm going to invite Andrew Stoff to come up to do communion and maybe the team can come up as well. Uh, But why don't you join me and pray tonight. Lord, we thank you uh, that we don't have to kind of aimlessly look around uh, for what we should be finding our identity in, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we have direction for this. I thank you that we 
have you, Lord God. I thank you that we have you as that foundation, as the core of who we are. Lord, I pray you told us to work and keep this earth, have dominion over it, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to do that well, help us to know where to do that, help us to know when that's not, where, where maybe something we're not going to be able to do that. But Lord, I pray that you would guide us so that whatever we do, that we'd be doing it for your glory.